Hey, thanks for listening to Made In. This podcast is hosted by me, Jasmine, and my better half, Evie. And we are two Asian Canadian women in Toronto talking about current events, culture, and society moments. We hope that Made In is a safe living room space where you can feel like you're sitting on the couch with us and joining in on the conversation. Thanks for being here. Hi Jazz. What's up, Ev? Hi everybody. Hello. We are chilling. We have uh, gone through some major life changes. Uh, oh that's yeah. Why we've uh, been a little bit busy, but many updates on our end. Many updates. Jazz, do you want to update? Let's do your update. Okay, sure. My <laughs> update isn't that exciting. No, it I guess is. it is. Yeah, well, Evie and I are both um, entering our new season of work. So Ooh. both of us resigned. So um, (laughs) my last day is this Friday, but I got really lucky. So with the company that I was working, I have been like trying to try out different roles and apply for different roles. And it's just timing and what they were looking for, I guess, didn't align. Mm -hmm. So I, I do feel very confident that I'm leaving this place knowing that I tried everything I could to expand my knowledge and like my skill sets and stuff. I mean, it was a bitter pill to swallow. But um, during that time, I got introduced to this startup where I'm going to be uh, brand managing two D2C brands that's based in Miami. But I'm going to be working remotely, but hopefully there'll be more trips to Miami in the future. And yeah, it was actually like the title itself was super intimidating to me because I understand the brand space, but I've never had a role where I'm like specifically doing that. So like, of course, you know, I was hit with the biggest imposter syndrome. Yeah, yeah. But as I was kind of like reading through the scope of work and, you know, trying to match up my experiences, it really felt like a really good alignment. And as soon as I met the co-founder, I felt like we really connected like energetically and just her work ethics or stuff like that. So yeah, um, it was really also nice because I got like such an ample amount of time before I had my start date. So Mm. I actually like took advantage of my PTOs with my current job. You know, I love milking my PTOs at work. Um, And then I booked the last minute trip to Costa Rica and it was so much better than I expected. So I went to Costa Rica four years ago in the exact same spot, but I I knew a girl that lived there. So I felt a bit comfortable because it was a solo trip. Yeah. But that time it was like such a dead season during that time. So there was no one around. So towards the end of the trip, I was getting really bored. And like, you know, you could om- only spend so much time by yourself. So four years, fast forward, I felt way better mind space to be able to spend time alone so I was like really excited and like kind of getting ready to be bored again or just like be in my own thoughts yep I actually ended up staying at like a lively hostel and first day like I met such a nice loving girl in my dorm room that I was staying in she's actually from Sault Ste. Marie so I met a lot of Canadians and then um, I kind of spent the day by myself like walked down to the beach and hung out and I and I came back I'm like sitting by the pool and I get like a DM request and I didn't have data on so I only got it when I came back to the hostel to wi-fi and this girl named Steph messages me and goes hey 
Um, I'm sorry, this is so creepy. I think I saw you at the bar today. I've seen you around from my friend's social media. We have a bunch of mutuals. I found out that you're actually staying here. And the girl, Chantel, who was what I met at my dorm room, said that she met a girl named Jasmine from Toronto. And I kind of put the two and two together. Like, we're going to be hanging by the pool. You should come by. So then I happened to meet her. And her and I have, like, so many friends uh, that are mutuals in Toronto and Vancouver because she used to live there as well. Mm. And then, honestly, her and I were, like, connected so quickly and then we just kind of spent the whole time together which I had like did not expect any of that so it was so fun I think I can like totally see myself going back there again and like I I did some surf lessons as well and like I I think I'm meant to be a surfer like I don't want to toot my own horn but like I think I'm like naturally a bit (laughs) gifted no I'll think but I I had so much fun doing it I mean, maybe you have to be at a coast, which I don't want to say goodbye to, but honestly, you can't really surf. I mean, there are like little places you can surf here, but not really. No, um, I need that island life. And I had uh, like the funniest instructor named Josue, and he was like such a short king. And he was so funny because, it's, um, so you get around everywhere in a tuk tuk, and there was like a police raid or something. So there was no tuk tuks for my lesson. And then I like called them, be like, hey, I'm so sorry, I'm not going to be able to make it. And I was like ready to cancel and they're like oh it's okay uh someone will come pick you up and I was like okay like can you tell me what car I'm getting into and like who's gonna come pick me up yeah everything's like five minutes away so I did feel safe and then yeah um he came to pick me up and he's like the most stereotypical like stoner surfer kid and just like telling me about like the way of life he lives and (sighs) I was asking about like how long have you been surfing and he's like you know like Sometimes you're up on the surf and you look down, you think you're going to die, but you're like, hey, I'm really living. And like, just like so um, chill and like a beautiful <laughs> outset on life, outlook on life. So that was like such a good energy to come back. But the funny thing that I've noticed was that everything's been kind of happening in like two years for me. So I don't know if you remember, but even like 2018. So that's when I went to Costa Rica. And I was telling to the girl about this podcast idea. And you and I haven't really talked about it at all. It was still kind of thinking about it. And then at that time, I was looking to transition to a new role. So when I left that trip in Costa Rica in April, I had my job at WeWork. And then two years after that, um, I had my job at Square. And then two years after that, I went to Costa Rica again in April. And I seem to always travel in April. And then I always start my job around March and April. So I started my job at WeWork in April, started my job at Square in March, and then now I'm starting a new job in May. So like around this month, like always seems to be resurrecting or like something that's amazing like happening again. So yeah, really good timing for me. And I, and I feel really excited and like happy about it. Yeah, no, I always have, I remember you went on a solo trip and it was a lot of life changes. Um, Maybe it's just Mm -hmm. like spring and just like the season or whatever, but like, that's amazing. I also want to learn how to travel myself better, but you are like such a pro at that. Like, I feel like you're so good Mm -hmm. at um, figuring out what you want to do. And it's so funny that when you go and outside of life like weirdly something connects back to you it's always like something like bumping to someone Mm -hmm. that you know in toronto uh somewhere else it's so strange i don't know why life is like that but it really is and like same resort so i mean i'm really happy Mm -hmm. you got to connect and like otherwise like in this city it's kind of weird because in this city i feel like you can go out and meet people and that's fine but it's very like 
I have my core group of people and it's really rare you would go out or anyone mm-hmm. would go out of the way to meet anyone else in Toronto. I would think like maybe some other cities are totally. different, but Toronto is kind of like a small, big city where, yeah, there's stuff happening, but look, there's so many connections with people like that know somebody of somebody and mm-hmm. it's so different. So I think that's super cool. I want to do my own self journey trip. You gotta. Yeah, I have to because I think I, it's overdue. You totally need to go on a soul trip. No, I have to do it. And um, like, I'm going through a big life change too. So I've been at the star for seven years, the Toronto star, which is like a Canadian paper. And I'm going to be uh, going to Vice News, which is awesome. Very cool. And like covering bigger Woo-hoo! things than Canada and Toronto. So like America's uh, working with the world teams and really just like the stuff we talk about in this podcast and things that are important to us where it's not, doesn't have to be local to be important, but like globally, pop culture uh Mm -hmm. last week we were talking about like the election in korea uh you know just like there's more stuff to explore and so i'm really excited about this chapter Uh, i'm going to be the manager of socials which is also exciting uh intimidating but exciting Um, amazing but you know just like you said like with your job and with um things that change all the time like I have been applying to stuff. I maybe not wholeheartedly, but I had been. But like in seven years, this was the one mm-hmm. that I was like, this is right timing. This is super right. And like one thing I want to go into there after learning so much from the star and like how I am as someone who works and something that you definitely cannot do is like try your best to beat your imposter syndrome every day like I know like the title sounds crazy and you're like yo what the Mm -hmm. fuck like am I doing this but you could do it 10 times over it's just a matter of like learning how to do it the first time or innovating in your own way so I'm gonna try to go into vice news with that attitude um that would be the best thing to do and uh I like that yeah and just like really trying to kill it because we are capable like there's also mediocre white men that just show up and Mm -hmm. think they can do everything right so like i want to take that energy and even though i don't know i'm gonna be so true and open to learn and open to know that i deserve this role and i can kill it but um it's really exciting for both Mm -hmm. of us i'm really happy i know and honestly i know you have imposter syndrome about it but to all the listeners like Evie started at the star before social media was a thing. And she literally paved the way for the social media uh, department to be where it's at right now, whether it's um, getting, you know, Gen Z voices on TikTok or even actually like putting Toronto star on Instagram and utilizing that as a platform to share news. Like I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit because I think if anything, you are the best person to take this to the next level. And yeah, Vice is so lucky to have you. I'm really excited, of course, you know, remembering to like look out for ourselves, of course. But for me, of course, it's a big culture mm-hmm. change. Uh, some, some An organization I may be more culturally aligned with, with how loud I am and everything. And that's probably all mm-hmm. I'm going to say about it. But um, I'm excited and I hope that um, it'll be good and I can do more to platform people and stuff. So I mean, good for us for life changes, like things have to change. And one thing I was talking to my mom about and a lot of other uh, aunties, I guess, is like, there used to be this big weight on loyalty of like, oh, how long can you stay at a company? And like, can you like ride or die? for? I know. And 
my mom will constantly, you know, me being the star would like be like, this is so amazing. Make sure you can like put a lot of time to it. Like being loyal to a company is so important, blah, blah, blah. But like, that's something I also had to unlearn myself, which is like, honestly, such a model minority thing. Like when you realize how, you know, people of color may be mm-hmm. treated in these big kind of things, like you can't just be loyal to a company and not get paid or can't be loyal to a company and, you know, be uh, working overtime all the time and all that kind of stuff. Like, the company it's not that the company you don't need to be loyal to it you're gonna do your best work for the company and that's fine but like i don't know why i i think we need to unlearn the stress of like uh feeling like we got to put years and years and years under our belt like my mom worked at the same place for 40 years Mm -hmm. i don't know does like your parents kind of say the same kind of things yeah 100 percent. i remember any time I was ready to leave or like I would talk about how unhappy I was at a place. They they Their first instinct was to be like, oh, I think you should give it another try or like, you know, you should really stay yeah. and see how it goes. But I think over the years, they've also opened up their minds about, yeah. you know, staying in one place isn't always ideal. And then also seeing how much like salaries you can jump when you move to a different role or different experiences. So um, I think because I've also moved jobs like one or two years has been kind of my sweet spot. And I know to a lot of people, it's, that's quite short and people do tend to stay for a long term period. I think it's because for me personally, I just have never found a place where I felt like I 100% belonged and not in like a Mm. visibility way. But in terms of like a job, there hasn't been anything that really struck into my core of my passion and some things that doing things that made me want to stay up late or like work that extra hour. And then a lot of it towards the end, I got to a point where like, this is a job, I'm gonna shut off at 5pm and just be done with it. Um, so I felt like I kind of kept searching. And I felt like there's a part of my heart that like just wasn't tapped into or like into my potential. So I feel like every job I kind of go in hoping that I will. Um, and this one feels really right as well. And but like, who knows? Um, so I think with kind of seeing that side of me come out and having that dialogue with my parents, even when I told my mom about this job, she was like, oh, honestly, Jazz, when I thought about you working at Square, like I was even bored at the things that you had to do. And I was like, really? And then she's like, I just want you to be happy. And like, it's so nice seeing my parents kind of like come to terms with that. And if my parents can change their minds, I'm sure a lot of other Asian parents can too. Yeah, no, that's so important. Um, And that's such a growth thing because again, I think they came here thinking we just got to put our head down and work and our children are going to do that in like whatever role like that, you know, obviously pays well or whatever. But I, I agree. My mom is like slowly changing in the way like she's seeing how like no matter even if I'm born here or you're here when you were young, like it's not the easiest place for um, us for growth. Like again, in, in my industry, in the news industry, it's very, very white in my industry. Like, and these are the people that shape the stories and pick what is the front of the paper and the most he- heavily weighted things. And because there's just so many white people in this industry and it's hard to get all everyone's stories out there. And so like when I feel like I can make the jump to make a bigger platform or create a bigger platform for this, like I think this was my biggest move and I think Mm -hmm. my mom can now understand it. However, I also respect people who just do the job for a job. Like that's my dad. He's totally just like in it. Um, Grinds his eight hours a day fucking parties at night. And I'm like, you know, you might. I respect that too, you know? Yeah. I love that too, because it's like, you actually are investing a lot of time in yourself and things that make you happy. Mm -hmm. So 
I'm trying to learn from that too and be like, you know, I can't constantly make work a personality. It's so hard when it's you're- It's so hard. It's so hard. I just care so much about my job. Yeah, me too. I, I just put such heavy weight on it. Maybe that's something bigger to unpack. I don't know why, mm-hmm. like for work, but like for me- what I think is harder a lot for not harder for journalists, but for journalists, it's like you get to maybe write things you care about to find justice in it. And you just like, feel like, Oh, if I stop today, like the justice won't be out here, but that's not true because there's people across the world doing the work that you're also doing and you can build that network and also just think about like, you're not the only one out here changing and exposing stuff. So um, that's really, really hard for me for sure. I'm just like, Oh, I got to stay late to run the story about you know, how this has been so unfair for a certain kind of person or whatever, but like, yeah, I'll do it, finish it, but there's not need to like constantly rush and go crazy. Cause you can't solve that kind of stuff in a day. And mm-hmm. also, I, I don't know, I think me and you need to evaluate like why work is like so big in our lives where it's not a problem. I don't think it's an issue to be honest, but mm-hmm. it's like when I talk to other people who are like, Oh, I just work. It's whatever. But it's fine. And like, I've never, I'm always so polarized. I'm like, I love it. I hate it. I love it. I hate it. I love it. I hate it. So, um, that obviously means that work as it, what it is, is such a big bearing on my life. I don't know if mm-hmm. you feel that way too. Totally. I really consciously try to not ask what people do with their life. Like when I meet someone new and I, cause I, you're, I'm the same way. I don't want my job to be like my personality trait, or I feel yeah. like also where you work also puts you at like a certain, like, um status and I kind of hate that and like especially like you know in cities like Toronto or like New York or LA like what you do like that kind of determines if a person wants to continue to like keep in your circle like if you're gonna be if you're gonna benefit me somehow so I really try not to ask what people do because I want to just get to know the person for who they are and like you know if it comes up then like you know whatever but I do personally attached so much of my identity to jobs and that has burned me in the past before too like I mean I worked at WeWork and now watching We Crash it's like such like a traumatic yeah flashbacks of things and like I was talking to my uh, like ex-coworkers about it and be like you know it's so crazy how much of the Kool-Aid we actually drank and then seeing it from this point of view of course it's TV shows so it's so much more dramatized but also I did talk to someone who like is quite high up at WeWork and he was telling me like everything that they're portraying actually happened but it was actually crazier so I can't even oh. imagine like what employees were directly going through who worked in the New York head office and stuff So yeah, I really do hate that I am connecting my identity and my worth and like what I can bring to the table with my job and the kind of using it as like a status or like a brand for myself. Mm. But uh, over the, especially working at home in COVID, I have really realized that like most of the times the work needs me more than I need them. And then also finding the balance that like, I actually ain't shit. Like I am so replaceable as much as I think like the company is going to go broke or they're going to crash if I'm not dialing and like making connections with all these clients. But like, honestly, like I'm so replaceable. I don't need to carry that burden. I'm not anything. And I can just go in and find something else to make me happy. I don't, I don't like the verbiage. I know what you're saying, but I'm not anything and I'm replaceable is probably not true. Like, you know, I I, I like, (laughs) I don't know if we, we met at Aritzia and I think Mm -hmm. you need to know that it's like a very hard environment to grind in. It is super like, you know, you either, fit it or you don't like it's very Mm -hmm. quick like it's very obvious Mm -hmm. and like you are were one of like the hardest 
workers for sure and I obviously would try to but you were so no you weren't no this girl like five minutes before her shift is done we have to always like clean our section she's like like before she's ready to like leave in 10 minutes she'll go around and like ask everyone to help her yeah (laughs) you can leave on time it was fucking clockwork every time like oh like my section is so dirty and then I'm like heavy Okay, I wasn't trying to impede anyone. If you were out here smelling, I wasn't trying to impede you, but I was like, true, true. Yeah, um, Can you help me with my section? Okay, but to be fair, I vacuumed that fucking bitch every day. You morning. did every day. I that vacuum was why. twice your size, and you yeah. did it every single morning. Speaking of retail, did you watch the Abercrombie documentary? I haven't yet, and I know, but I did talk to someone that said, whoa, it really triggered me, and this somebody had worked with me at Aritzia, so I'm going to oh, go yeah. in and watch it and that's something you finished right yeah it's only one long thing which i wish that there was more dimension to it because it does go in i wish i knew i know the owner and the founder was a very private person but i wish we got to know a bit more about it because they also dissect into obviously like the top most toxic of the toxic culture but like the chokehold Abercrombie had on all of us like I remember my first time going into Abercrombie and being so intimidated and like just ogling over the guys that are working there and obviously we all knew it but like kind of seeing it on paper about like their guidebooks about like who to hire and like what they're supposed to look like and also kind of talking about like the homosexuality aspect of it and then like the gay culture that came out of it which I kind of didn't really realize and then obviously the ties with like Jeffrey Epstein and like I was there was so much more they could have dived dove into but it was really cool because um there was a loss that happened like many moons ago and they brought those people back to talk about it from their point of view from present time so I thought that was really cool I think that's important for us as like a cultural documentary because that again had a chokehold on me it was like a symbol of me assimilating with American Canadian culture Mm -hmm. I remember dragging my mom in there and like she'd be like I'm not fucking she's screaming no no way my mother went in there I can't hear you it smells like ass it's so fucking dark I can't even see you and I was like no but I have what am I even buying and their sizes like a medium was literally this big yeah yeah like it was it could fit my arm yeah and it was just so it was such a moment and then there was like Hollister too which I'm sure doesn't have yeah I don't know about that place either but I'm happy that I'm kind of off that shit, but it's just like, it's actually something that like, I know among a lot of like, of course, like Canadian and American girls and also like the immigrant people, like they, like there was, it was like a symbol. It was just so weird. Like of like fitting in across, like we, you grew up in Vancouver. I grew up here and we still felt it. And I know people Mm -hmm. in America also felt it. It was just so strange, but I'm definitely going to watch that. One thing I want to talk about is like that I want to watch, but like you haven't watched it either. Is everything everywhere all at once? I'm surprised you haven't either. With Michelle Yeoh, which is like her starring role. Uh, I've seen all the interviews around it where she's like, I've been waiting my whole me life. Me too. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm bawling too. But wasn't that so touching? Yeah. It was so much. But I like, I feel like I only watch all the press coverage about this movie and I've yet to see the movie, but every single person that I've watched it said it's the best thing they've ever seen. But I really felt that when she said that, and I know everyone who is also like Asian felt that too. It was just so 
honest and so true. And yep. it was so incredible seeing someone of that tenure in her career to finally have this moment, which is so like heartbreaking, but also so beautiful. Yeah, because she's like 60 and she is a legend back home. Like she's a legend to my family and like very mm-hmm. well known. But for her here and like, I also saw the fucking annoying reviews that were like, who is this? But I'm like, honestly, it like is not for you. This is like the whole reason why it's going to be a push. But I'm beyond reading those like petty things and thinking about them at all, to be honest. But the reason why I don't watch those things are turning red like right away is because I don't feel I can emotionally mm-hmm. handle it. Like, that's really why I have to really prep myself because I know I'm going to ball. I know, like, do I, am You're I in ready. the mood today? Yeah, I don't know if I'm in the mood today, but 100%, I'm going to give my money. Mm-hmm. I want to do this like after the hype because I just like, it's not about the hype, but like the hype makes me anxious. And I'm like, I don't need to go in there feeling over anxious when I just want to totally settle and watch, right? Do you know what I mean? Enjoy. Yeah, just, I want to enjoy it. The, I, I agree with you so much. Yeah. I just, I don't want to over. Yeah, it's too much pressure. It's too much pressure when, exactly. I'm so excited when we do finally watch it that we can discuss it because I think it's such a beautiful moment for our community and uh, the continuous representation that we are seeing in the big screen. So it's really exciting. No, that's so exciting. Um, So I've also continued watching Pachinko and obviously it's still like killing and stabbing my heart yes last time we had an episode we were asked to explore our histories more but like it's it's not Uh, yes tell me yeah it's not because of like the challenge of us telling each other we were gonna do it but I honestly genuinely like was so triggered by the show I was like I need to do this so Mm. I was messaging my mom a lot and realizing yeah when you come from like a colonial place like even Japanese colonial era you lose a lot of your history a lot of that stuff is destroyed and the only kind of things to keep it which is really common again with like black American history and the same with African American history and also with like indigenous Canadian history or indigenous history in Canada it's like you need those people to be alive to tell those stories and so like I was messaging my mom to message my older uncle who's like maybe in his 70s and Um, I was like, I want to see one photo of my grandma because I have never seen my maternal grandmother Mm. ever in my life. I never met her. I've never known her. She passed away when my mom was really young. So like, I don't even know what she Mm. looked like or her name or anything. And so, um, Wow. And my, my mom doesn't even really know either because she died in a very unfortunate way. Um, and she, uh, it was seen as like she was cursed. So like if she looked at photos of her, like it'd be like a bad hex on her family. So my mom never looked either, but obviously now we're so far removed from it where I'm just like, I need to know at least what she looks like. I got a photo and she's like so beautiful. And I was like, Oh my God. Like I was like, this is insane. Like I was like, it was so emotional. I didn't really know what to do in that moment where I was like, this is the first time I've ever seen a photo of my real my maternal grandmother. Cause like I have a step grandmother who's mm-hmm. still alive. Um, and that obviously made me want to know more, like, why did she go the way she go? Why did she, uh, you know, mm-hmm. why wasn't she there? Or, or like, you know, what, what caused the mental illness to be so bad, you know, like, and I just wanted to have those answers, like mm-hmm. those questions answered. So that was a really big, part like not that I like gained so much from it, but the knowledge of like the visual knowledge I got I'm like whoa that there's like a part of me that looks like her my mom looks like her my brother looks like her and like mm-hmm. it's just so crazy and like I'm trying to think about all the shit that she went through that made her feel so 
depressed and so upset and like eventually having to Mm -hmm. like trigger warning like die by suicide so I need to know like I just need to know Mm -hmm. like all those kind of details but Mm -hmm. um even that made me feel more rooted and like that was all that's all my own self-discovery like whereas again and this is a big step because I only started doing it when I stopped um when I took a step back from work and was like, I don't need to put this much hours. Again, there's people that can grind and do stuff just like I can do. And then I started like investing more time in myself. And like, that's the only time I realized like I'm 28 and I've always kind of wanted to know, but like, I finally made the move to be like, just find someone to find someone to find this. And I'm still like looking. So, um, Mm -hmm. that, that was a huge thing. Like, I don't even know. I'll show you a photo later, but I, I need to, I'm like, I'm like holding it more mm-hmm. sacred in my heart. I'll just show you, but like maybe one day it'll be something more <laughs> than that. I just don't want to, I, I need to sit mm-hmm. with it for a moment, you know, like I need to understand what's going on here. It's so special. Yeah. Yeah. I can only imagine for your mom as she was growing up, like talk about mental illness and like a Chinese household. Yeah. Never. Like that no. could have never been a thing. And I feel like there wasn't even like vocabulary to think through. And I'm sure now that you're in this play- space where, you know, you're kind of seeking that connection. Like yeah. I never had relationship with my grandparents either. Mm. My dad's side, my dad's parents passed away when he was in high school. So mm. I never met them. And then with my mom's side, whose grandparents were still alive when I was younger, they just have such a big family of like six kids. So like there were so many other cousins to look after. Like I just never really had any special connection with them. Yeah. And I think there is something that makes you feel whole about when you even just visually see them, like the fact that you can see a little bit of you and a little bit of your mom and your brother, like that's so special and beautiful. And like, I feel like that is kind of like fulfilling some of the void that you may have had about, you know, thinking about your history, your, your heritage and like your generation of like where it all comes from. I think this is definitely just like the beginning. And like, as the story unfolds, like, sure, you may never get like the full story, but like, as you are exploring, I can't wait to see like all the things that you get to uncover and just like learn a bit more about like who you are and like where you come from. Yeah. And like, it builds my resilience to be like, oh man, like if one wrong, if one thing went wrong in their history in such a war torn time where there's so much poverty and I'm sitting here today because of them, because they were luckily enough to make, I'm like, wow, like I need to really build some resilience. It gives me so much more power in who I am. I feel right. So even just like visually seeing what she looks like or learning a bit more, like I'm going to keep pressing and doing this. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Maybe I'll turn it into a book, but like, I need to yeah. really like get <laughs> Start into writing F. Yeah. I need <laughs> to get into it. So, um, yeah, no, it, it was, it was like such an important and big and poignant moment for me. I was like, wow, this mm-hmm. is crazy. I love that. Yeah. I hope you get to learn a bit more. I mean, if you have interest in doing it, cause like, I, it, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I do wonder, because I've heard a lot of stories of, like, families being separated while Korea was being separated from north to south. And, like, I heard this, like, heartbreaking story, like, a long time ago in the New York Times, the Daily podcast. And this dad was a professor at a university in in Korea at the time and then he went on like a business trip and like as he was coming back the border went up and it happened to be on like the northern part so he just never got to go back home and then the grandkids of that family line 
decide to go try to find him in North Korea. And then um, they were able to uncover some like journal entries that he wrote. And then obviously from the family that stayed behind in Korea as a single mother during that time with kids that just could not be like sustained. And it was just so frowned upon in society. So uh, the mother talks about how, you know, she hoped that the dad is doing okay in North Korea. And then when they actually find the dad's writing, they find that, oh, I can't believe I like had to leave my wife. I hope she's doing okay. And he actually ended up like making a new family in North Korea. And then they actually get to connect to and it was like such like a heartbreaking and like beautiful story. Um, I do like sometimes wonder like during that wartime, like, imagine like my family line was like a little bit north of the border like or do I have any extended family that are stuck in North Korea you know like so much of that I don't think my mom knows that much either but like I would love to like be able to open up a dialogue and like ask some of those questions just like learn more about what you know yeah if she has any visibility into what her grandparents like her parents like how they lived and stuff so yeah definitely yeah because like what you realize when it comes to those like war things is like it was one whole piece of land like it's not uncommon if you just put mm-hmm. up a border that you could be like losing all these kind of people so like that's kind of like really sad and plus like that was during a time where like americans were involved and so were british people but like you guys already went through like a japanese colonial area era on top of that so there's already mm-hmm. more separation so like it's like yeah it's just so scattered and so like the one thing i really like um you know, talking with friends who are of European backgrounds. And uh, it's like in those areas where those lead, like the people in their countries or their ancestors' countries have been the colonizers, like the leaders of their countries. Like there's so many records. Like I know people that are like, oh, I know my great, great, great grandfather was a blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that is a privilege to have that. That's so nice. Yeah, and it's so nice to be able to find and know that so quickly and like, oh, wow, look at this great, great, great grandfather photo that I just passed down because there wasn't so many, mm-hmm. I'm sure there was like famine and poverty and other insane pandemics and such. But like, we're not talking about that. We're talking more just like how like invasions and like colonialism and also leaderships like create such a situation where you're like, wow, I don't even know my history. Whereas like I've seen and have friends that know their history to like generations back. So it's like, it's crazy, but we, I think we still should seek it. And like, hopefully I can like have this. So I just know this and let's just say my brother has kids or I plan mm-hmm. to, like, I want them to know that too. Cause I think that's mm-hmm. like in, especially in Canada yeah. where, or America where we might feel like we're not, we're home, but we don't feel like fully at home or safe all the time. Like you just know that. And then if we go back to, you go back to Korea or I go back to Hong Kong, like that's also not my full home, right? Like I don't really see it like that mm-hmm. at all either. So or maybe you might, but like, I don't, because it's like, I'm so different and I've grown up such a different place, but, um, at least I feel the same. You have that, at least you have that knowledge of being like, Oh, this is what my family went through. This is why you create your own home and your own people and your own chosen families. Because like in Canada, you might not feel like this is your home home, but at least you know Mm -hmm. more about yourself. So hopefully we get to learn more. I know, but would it be so, isn't it so cool to think that like, our kids kids will be like my great grandma yeah. had a podcast where she <laughs> talked about asian representation that's gonna be cool that's so <laughs> sick when you say it like we're that. iconic great grandparents yeah i mean start having kids jazz if you want to hear that start having kids now. leo close your ears <laughs> <laughs> no but that's that's actually so 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 dope so mm-hmm. that was like my major update um 
you know, the job, we both have big updates, but like that historical update was as heavy to me as like my job update. It was just as Mm -hmm. heavy and I felt that. So, um, yeah, I don't know if there's anything else happening with me, but I will eventually watch that movie. I hope you watch it too and we can talk about it. Yeah, we got to owe it to the listeners to to weigh in. But yeah, I'm so excited for both of our journeys ahead. I'm happy that like we kind of both had like a cathartic like – you know, a breaking and like kind of rebirth feeling uh, going to this next chapter of our lives. And yeah, we'd love to hear about any of the listeners have like a crazy family tree or like story. Please share with us. And until next time, guys, we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Made In. Email us at hi at imadein.com. We're also on Instagram and Twitter at I'm made in underscore. Thank you again.